GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. We do one topic in depth on Wednesdays, and today it was the charitable work of the EV Foundation. They help vulnerable people. Nicole Jones told us the cost of living crisis means more people are struggling, more people are looking for help. And the EV Foundation is working with others like the Brasilei Foundation and the GBC Open Day Trust to help people to help themselves in a lasting way. Nicole's passion for her work really shone through. Ten students each year to be supported uh, throughout their university degrees. It's a, a collaboration with the Brasilei Foundation. Um, which you must be very excited about, Nicole. Super excited. Super excited for the families and especially for the students. Can you imagine how they must feel when when selected and being able to go over to UK or whatever they choose to study and not have that stress over over them constantly thinking how they're going to manage or how or having to put their parents or carers through this financial Stress because it's uh, it's an exciting time in in a young students' life. Usually, it's young people who who go, but uh, sometimes it's older people. But it's an exciting time, uh, but it's also expensive because you need to pay rent. Food isn't getting any cheaper, and and this is a, 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 an exciting scheme that you've designed uh, in order to provide up to five thousand five hundred pounds per student per year. No, that is right. So basically what we do is we support them through the whole journey and um, with different things. We we are very fortunate that in Gibraltar we have the government um, who backs us up and we get scholarships from them. But especially nowadays with inflation, we realize that that isn't enough. Um, when I had my my child go over to uni and study, I realized the expenses that one has and I I always wondered and said how do families from low income how do they manage and that is when and that is when I came up with this sensation of wanting to design something like this but obviously I needed a good investor to invest in this this is we're talking about a lot of money we're talking about around 50 grand a year Fifty-five zero thousand yeah. pounds every year, yeah, uh, which which is amazing. And you managed to convince uh, the Barzilai found Foundation uh, to support you. Was that easy or difficult? It was very easy because the Barzilai Foundation is a recently registered um, foundation, and they they very much like the type of work that we do. They are they they want to they. They have the same ideas and the same mission that we do. They don't want to be providers. They want to be educators, which is something that the EV Foundation is very serious about. We don't want to maintain people living in low income, in benefits, not working, being at home, not doing anything. We want to make people change. We want to make people, give people opportunities to be able to work, to be able to to thrive, to succeed, to live a happy and healthy life. And we know that society sometimes is not ready for that. They're not, I believe, this is my own perception, but I believe that society 
is not there to protect the most vulnerable. It it isn't. It isn't definitely not. If it would be, then we wouldn't have cases like the ones that I see. But but somebody would listen to the work that the EV Foundation is doing and and would say, well, actually, that's what you're doing. You're protecting the most vulnerable. Yes, we are exactly, and that is why the EV has to do what they do, and obviously other charities, but society as a whole. I mean. Um, Yeah, you might come across people or departments that they will tell you they will help you. And then when you get there, it's, you know, it's there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of bureaucracy. There's there's a lot of being, people being put off to ask for help because it's it's hard work to ask for help. And in order to achieve A, you got to go through B, C, D, you know what I mean? So it's 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 a long process and it's a hard one. And... When you're vulnerable, when you're going through an emotional roller coaster, when you're going through certain things in your life that are not going right, when you're going through financial hardships, when you get home and you open that fridge and there's no food, when you have children that are asking you for things that their friends have and they don't have it, when they don't find jobs, when they don't feel that they have a voice, that creates bigger and bigger and bigger problems. And the sooner we the sooner we get to these kind of families or individuals because it's not only families that we support we help people with no children men women younger older grandparents whoever elderly people whoever we think needs us and it's justified because it always has to be justified because people will ask for help everybody will want a freebie <laughs> it's natural but not everyone will get it Definitely. And what you're saying is it's not so much a freebie, it's help for the individuals and the families to ideally change something, uh, improve their circumstances and be able to help themselves better exactly. in, a, in a more sustainable way. No? Exactly. It's all about them being able to sustain themselves and their families. What people, the community has this concept about people in need, that they are scroungers, that they want to abuse of the system, that they want to live off benefits. And from my experience, that is the contrary. Yes, you do get people who abuse, but the rich people also abuse. People with good wages, it's, it's nothing to do with poverty. It's nothing to do with their backgrounds. It's so what happens is they want to, they want to fend for themselves. They don't like charities having to give them every week a food voucher. They don't want charities to pay their bills. It's disheartening. It's it's shameful for them. And, and those are the type of people that we that we fully, fully support. The ones that say, I need help, but please help me so that I don't need you in the future. That's a powerful thought and idea. Um, and and you're referring there to sort of the the social pressures of admitting that you need help, and I suppose that's particularly difficult in a place like Gibraltar, where um, we all know each other, and you know if you if you're a little bit embarrassed about your current circumstances and the fact that you need help, you don't necessarily want everybody knowing about it, but it might be difficult to ask for help without people finding out that you need help. Exactly. It's, uh, we are, I always say this, we are a very charitable and very generous community, but we are one of the most judgmental ones. Unfortunately or fortunately, we know everybody. We know that child's mom, 
dad, carer, grandmother, whatever, there's always some relation and we always get to know what they did 20 years ago. And it's almost like the community doesn't forgive whatever that person did 20 years ago. That is the community that we have in Gibraltar. So it's difficult to, you know, reinvent yourself or rehabilitate exactly. your people, image. It's, it's difficult to give people opportunities, to give people chances to change. Because that is what we con- I continually hear people. Um, I want them to change. I want them to do this. But are we al- allowing them? Are we giving them the tools to change? That is what the EV does. So when I come across people and they tell me, for example, I have no food, the problem is bigger and it's greater than having no food. You don't just wake up one day and don't have food. That is something that is something that's happened the years prior to that. Something must have gone wrong in order for you now to find yourself that you don't have any food. So we we dwell white, we go right into like I put my fingers like literally into wounds and we open up and I start doing some like research. I get to know the person and I get to know the ins and the outs, what they do wrong, what they do right, what they want to do, how much they want to change. And that's how I get to know a person. And that's instantly I know who wants to change, who wants a freebie, who is here for, who is here for, for making their lives a better one. And who is here just because they happen to hear about the EV Foundation. And that's what we do. We provide them with tools. So I get to know people and I'm like, so what are you good at? What do you do? What is your experience? What do you like? And when they tell me so that I start guiding them. And maybe, the, for example, I get someone who tells me, oh, well, I think I love admin work, let's say, for example. Okay. And I say, okay, so do you have an experience? But I don't have an experience, but I know I really like working you know, with a computer. So do you have an experience with computers? No, I don't. So what we do is we'll put them into a, a computer course. We'll pay for that. We'll provide them with that. Because ultimately, we can't expect people to succeed without giving them the tools. So so you train them up, they gain that skill, and then hopefully they will be employable. Exactly. And if they do get a job, then we they, pay, they can pay their own bills. We pay people to have a, just for work experience. Because work experience gives the person the experience to be able to put in the CV, I worked here, I did this, I woke up every day, I am responsible, I am hardworking. They get to know a lot about themselves. We're talking about sometimes 17, 18 year olds, sometimes even 16, that have left school at a young age and they, they people ask for experience. How do you get experience out of a 16 year old, an 18 year old, even a 21 year old? Are you going to give them an opportunity to work in your shop with no experience? And that is the things we come across. So I, as an advocate, I speak to the employers and I convince them and convince them to be part of our employment benefit, our employment scheme, which is the empowerment scheme. It's very important to empower people, to empower them back into work to, so that eventually they can be employable. But what you cannot expect is someone to leave school at an early age with no qualifications, to have experience, they won't be able to make it. So that's it's it's a vicious circle. It's a catch-22. Sure. Okay, let me just remind our, our listeners in particular who can't see you that we're talking to Nicole Jones of the EV Foundation from now until about 10 to 2. Uh, so if you'd like to ask a question, um, uh, please do. 266 200. You can call us or you can send us a WhatsApp message and I'll be happy to put your question 
too, Nicole. Uh, we've been talking about the Barcelay uh, Foundation and uh, the collaboration uh, that the Evie Foundation has with secondary schools, providing bursaries of up to £5,500 um, for students, up to 10 of them throughout their university degrees. Uh, if anyone was interested in that, Nicole, how can they go about getting in touch with you? Well, they could always write to the Evie Foundation at homemade.com or they could just get in touch with schools, Bayside, Westside and Gibraltar College. They can do it through they those establishments. They can do it through them, yeah. Okay, great. Um, you seem to have... Uh, how long have you been doing? Uh, how long 13, the, 13 years. 13 years. Uh, the Evie Foundation seems to has, have grown a lot in the past few years in particular, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ever since... It's, it's it's a development. It started off with maybe two or three families, me on my own and me doing my thing on the side. And um, ever since I registered in 2021, that's when it it that's when it blew completely. Um, and that's uh, when and it's, it's coincided with the cost of living crisis. Exactly. So we had we had we are getting a lot of new families and individuals who who cannot afford living on low income. They can barely manage to buy their food, let alone pay bills. It is it is a crazy time. It is a scary time for people in low income, especially those who are very vulnerable. And uh, things are getting more expensive. Wages aren't necessarily going, going up. up. Yeah. So it's. I think we all we are all. It's affecting all of us, but there's, they will always be the ones who pay the highest price. Some of us have a little bit of headroom. And we've got a little bit less disposable income at the end of the month, but you're helping people who don't have any disposable income at the end of the month. Exactly. Plus, we're helping people who have not been, been, not been taught this, not been taught to budget. They've been taught to just try and make it to the end of the month. It doesn't matter how. Just try and make it. That is what we need to do. We need to teach. We need to teach this in schools. Because this is a vicious circle. This is a generational curse. This is le learned at home. What you see from your parents is what ultimately nine out of ten will do. So, so you're trying to for people who might be stuck in uh, less than ideal circumstances. You're trying to break that cycle. We are always trying to break that. Always, always trying to break that cycle. And we've seen it. We've seen how that works. We've seen how that is possible. We're talking about the work of the EV Foundation. Many of us are feeling the pinch in this ongoing cost of living crisis. But there are some in our community who are suffering the effects of inflation more acutely than most. As we were discussing with Nicole, there are parents of children, for example, with special dietary needs uh, who have round-the-clock care and their children require uh, that care sort of 24-7 and it makes it very hard or even impossible in some circumstances for parents to find work that accommodates their schedules. And um, this is one of the topics that was covered on The Powder Room recently and this is what the parents themselves said. I myself have a child with special needs and it's all added costs to my living, no? the, the, the water, the bills, the food. Financially, I think it's very important if we can't cope the way we were before. Imagine now with inflation. No? Another thing is looking into jobs, suitable jobs for parents who have got children with special needs. For example, my child tube feeds and uh, it's 24-hour care. 
and how do I care and at the same time work? So if financially they can't help us, to help us at least with jobs that we could adapt to the lifestyle we're living at the moment. Nicole Jones of the EV Foundation, a powerful testimony there from somebody who, who the foundation, your foundation is helping. Um, must be very difficult, no? round the clock care for a child. How do you work? You uh, can't. Exactly. I think she said it perfectly. She hasn't missed a point. Um, so yeah, there are many like Lianne's. Um, and exactly like she says, so we expect her, we want her to come out of the benefit system, but we're not offering her a suitable job to adapt to our child's need. Um, for example, um, she actually started working this year. Great. We were super happy, um, super positive about the change. She had to drop it. She couldn't. She was actually paying a nurse because the child has to be tube fed by professionals or by the parents of the child. So she had to, the child had to leave school every day at lunch because he, he's not able to eat at school. It's dangerous for him. So he's fed at home and she had to pay a nurse. She was paying, I think, the nurse maybe something like something like ten pounds an hour. That's like fifty pounds a week. When you look at it, and you look at what she's earning on low income, it can never be worth it. It can never. It just and yeah doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. So, and just like the other, there are many many in her situation, and the di- dietary requirements that those children need are much more expensive. You know, we have children with gluten free and um, gluten intolerance, um, all that um, is if you go into any shop, it costs you double the price. So just imagine when when things are not normal and, you know, when you have such problems or conditions like this. So f- food is already expensive for, for all of us. But if you're having to, instead of buying uh, a, a normal loaf of bread, you're having to, to buy a, a gluten-free, gluten-free bread or anything like that, then it, the price just increases and it makes things even more difficult. The, the, price, the price, everything increases. And going back to the Lian, um, it is very important that we educate employers. This is how we, this is how we change. This is how we gets better. This is how we support. I get a lot of people telling me, I can offer a job. I can offer a job nine to six. And you offer them a job. Okay, so when the child tomorrow is sick and they have no grandparents and they have no auntie to stay with them, they have no money to pay childcare. Are you going to let the mom go back home with the child? No. No, because I need someone to be in the shop. Then you're not. I know it's difficult for an employer, but we need to educate. We need to change a bit the chip. If, you're, if you care about this vulnerable community, if you care as much as you claim, then you need, you need to help us help them. You need to help them help themselves. So they can't have normal employment terms. They need to, the, the special circumstances need to be taken into consideration. Exactly. And this is something that a lot of people tell me, well, I, when my child was sick, I used to take off. Or when my child was sick, I used to do this. We've all had, yes, we all have. Oh, my leave used to go just on my, around my children. I never selected when I was off. It was always around them. But my life was easy. So okay, but you, you think about the challenges that you have as a parent and, and all, I think all parents will identify with what you've just said, having to take leave around your children being off or being sick. And, but that's one thing. Those are normal circumstances which are already challenging. 
but we're talking about an an extra level of complexity and and a much more challenging circumstance where for example in Leanne's case a child has to be tube fed i mean that's yeah. so much more challenging than sending a packed lunch no yeah, exactly the ideal thing would be to employ her in school so she can feed her son there are jobs in school you know what i mean so it's about educating and about sending the right message to the right people the ones who are in power to say okay so who are we going to employ there there needs to be a bit of common sense in the long run it's costing more to have them on benefits than to actually employ them you know what i mean so it's all about um long term effects it's all about looking at the future and saying okay maybe for the first next 6 months it's going to cost me more but then with, within a year she'll be better off will be better off and it's all about a shift that some people need to do a, a change of chip almost a change it's almost it's it's and for me it's very much like common sense sometimes i feel people don't have any common sense they make decisions and i think are you serious you've done that are you serious you've employed this person when you could have employed this mother this father but you know that is those are the things we come across it's very frustrating okay nicole um a change of chip is what you're calling for generally but there are some partners of the ev foundation who who get it no i mean you've been able to team up we we're talking about the basile foundation you've also got a long standing relationship with aroski for example who are supporting students um let, let's play uh, a short clip by um Uh, Daniel Macias of Eroski. We're a small community. Historically, we're always very charitable, but unfortunately, there are some people who really need this type of thing. Ultimately, um, these recipients are probably our customers. Nicole also does loads of charity work. She's probably one of our biggest customers, especially during Christmas time. So yeah, it's t- it's up to us to reciprocate with her. And thankfully, we can and help her in as much as possible in any way we can. Tell us about that partnership, Nicole, with Eroski. Well, that partnership happened two years ago when I was getting lots of parents telling me the children were not attending school because they couldn't afford afford a packed lunch, and I I knew I instantly had to do something about that, and I just didn't know how to. So I approached Eroski. I approached Daniel, and I came up with this idea. And I said, we need to provide them with something simple. We're not talking about a three course meal. We're talking about what something easy and simple so i came up with the idea of pri- providing families every week 15 children 15 lunches and w- we do like a rotation we we do a rotation of there's a list of lots of families there and every week we choose different um different families if some emergencies emergencies come in then we obviously include them and we give them literally bread ham cheese juice crisps fruit anything they need just for lunch and break so what we are trying by us providing that what we are sending out a strong message is that poverty should never interfere with education there is no excuse for any child not to attend school patricia is asking a question um and it's why do some children leave school with no qualifications is there any contact with the schools is there any feedback from the schools themselves to the ev foundation not really i don't think um those are subjects to do with me i think if a child leaves school at a young age one is a child's decision family i suppose their living conditions the way they live is when they make a decision i would think i would think that if a child nowadays in 2023 leaves school at 15 it's because they have to probably go out there to survive or 
because school is not for them. Because we need to accept that school is not for everyone. And that is why it's very important that when there are children that leave school at 15 or at 16, there is something out there for them. There has to be something out there for children who are not academic academically adequate. Stacy is asking: um, Are there more people? Um, you, you said there's a lot of people. Are there more people asking for help because of the cost of living crisis? And approximately how many is the EV Foundation helping? The, the of course there are more people um, asking for help. We are helping hundreds and hundreds of people, hundreds. And there are days when I help ten, and there are days when I help twenty people, in different ways because. It's not always about food vouchers. It's not always about paying bills. It's about people who feel they're not heard, people who have been um, unrightly treated, unfairly treated. They need they need someone to advocate for them. They need someone to go with them to a department and represent them, or not only represent them, be there with them. That's what they need. They need people to, they need people like the EV to not hold their hand physically, but tell them, listen, we're here for you. Exactly. Actually, when I leave this place. I'm running off to the Gibraltar courts to accompany a person. Something super stupid, like a fine, simple, but that can create a huge problem for that person if it's not sorted. So I am going with that mother to to stand by her, almost support her, and give her the right advice and guidance when she leaves that court. Very varied work. Not that the EV Foundation does. You must find it very. Uh, challenging but also rewarding. Very, very, very. It's. I always say, people tell me, so what? What? What is it they need? What are? Who are these kind of people? And I always say, they're just people like you and I. Just people like you and I. We all. We all have problems. We all encounter different things. Every day we wake up and there's something different to do. Every day something breaks. They go through the same struggles we do. The difference is, we have the money, we have the support, and they don't. Before I leave you, Nicole, uh, can you uh, tell us quickly about the EV Wish campaign? Is that still ongoing? The EV Wish campaign is uh, something that I came up a few years ago, and we do it um, every summer. We take families to the aqua park because this is something we take for granted. But unbelievably, there are families who have never been to the aqua park. So um, we also took fifty families. Um, To Islamahika on a weekend, and just this Easter, we took three families to Euro Disney, on a magical holiday. Amazing, amazing, yeah. So that was thanks to the GBC Open Day, and um, and another investor, anonymous investor that wanted to pay half. It's very important that children get to create memories. Not every child belongs to a family where there's abuse or mistreat. They, I deal with parents. Most parents. Are exceptional parents. They love their children. They want the best for them. They just don't know how to give it to them. Beautiful. Um, and the Dream Room campaign. Tell us about that. The same thing. So basically, we have people living in in quite not very nice conditions. Some are appalling conditions, and some are just not very nice. And as a child, that creates insecurities. That creates low self esteem. You don't want to bring your friends over when you go to your friend's house and you see they have a lovely bed, they have a TV, they have the nicest wardrobe. You feel like you're less, and this is the aim of the EV. Nobody is less. No child should feel less than any other. A wonderful um, idea to end end off 
what has been a very interesting uh, discussion. Nicole Jones of the EV Foundation, maybe I can just remind people what's the best way to get in touch with you if they're listening to this and they want to reach out to you. The best way is by the EV Foundation at homemade.com, Facebook, Instagram. Also very important that people um, do um, add themselves to our newsletter. We have a newsletter that's something that started in January and it's very, very popular. People are loving it, but there's a lot of information of work that we do there that doesn't come out in social media, that doesn't get told. So I think people need to be aware of what it is exactly we do. And um, those with those investors interested in donating to us or interested about our work, they should just contact me. And there's a lot of valuable work to do out in the community. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar, Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.